From In the Beginning to the Musical Apocalypse, this is The Bible Says What. I'm your host with a cold, Mike Wiseman. My relationship with my wife is not even remotely close to the relationship Christians claim to have with their deity. When I wake up next to my wife, she literally takes up physical space on the bed. I can hold her. I can talk with her. But when a Christian wakes up next to Jesus, he's neither seen nor heard. He takes up no physical space. When I call my wife on the phone, I know that there's a physical being on the other side. No faith needed. I live in reality, and reality tells me that my wife is a real person and that the Christian deity is not. There are many reasons as to why I don't believe Yahweh to be real. The physical evidence is just one of the big ones for me. There's no proof, no verifiable confirmation for their deity's existence. How can anyone claim to have a relationship with an invisible mute being? That sounds so strange. Mentally ill people talk to people who aren't there. Children have imaginary friends. And Christians? They believe that they have a personal relationship with an invisible man that lives inside their hearts and whispers thoughts into their minds using a ghost. Let's start the show. Is there anything in the Bible that you yourself have an issue with? (laughs) Okay, so it took you reading the Bible to realize that those things bad for you? Yeah, it actually did. I, I didn't figure this out on your own? No, Ted, Ted Bundy could be redeemed. God doesn't kill children. That, what do you think the Passover was? Yahweh sets up a whole system in the Old Testament where you slaughter animals just so he's able to forgive you. Good morning, Nathan. This is Mike Wiseman from The Bible Says What. How you doing? Hey, good, sir. How are you? Good to finally talk to you. Yeah, Mike's working. <laughs> Can you hear it? Is it better? Does it sound awesome? Yeah, yeah, it sounds really good. Can you hear me okay? It sounds fantastic, man. Good to go. Good. So how Excellent. was your... So what are we covering? Today? Well, um, I figure we could start with um, what you believe the Bible to be, and we can just go from there. Okay, that sounds good. Awesome. The last time we covered faith a little bit, uh, a little bit of the uh, documented child killer part. So I figure we just go into the Bible itself. What do you believe the Bible to be? Second Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for preaching, teaching, and training in righteousness. Is that what you believe? Yeah. Are we already recording, or are you just yes. prepping here? Yes. <laughs> we are. We're on. We're, we're ready. Oh, we're on. <laughs> Okay, so are you starting the show, or are we... Let's start the show, man. Let's start the show. Okay, countdown. Ready. Sorry, I woke up a little bit of a cold this morning. Oh, no. What uh, corner of the world are you living? Oh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas? I'll be there uh, next month. I'll be at the uh, NAB convention. No For a week. It'll be my first time in Las Vegas. Well, sir, we'll have to meet up for some coffee or something. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been there? Oh, my God, too long, too long. I, I left and came back, mm. and now I'm kind of stuck. <laughs> oh, 
Uh, hey, we got a good friend out there, Billy Crone. He's uh, Sunrise Bible Church. Hmm. You ever want to interview someone who really knows his stuff? Billy Crone would be the guy. I will look into him for sure. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, sure. Love it. All right, well, let's get into what the Bible means to you. What does the Bible mean to Nathan? What does the Bible mean to Nathan? The Bible means to Nathan that uh, God has wanted us to know him and understand him, Mm -hmm. and therefore he gave us his word. And he gave us his word across 1,500 years, over 43-plus different authors, uh, with the message, a cohesive message, of the reconciliation of God and man. Where man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we are separated from God. Hmm. And God wants us to be reunited with him, uh, back to that Garden of Eden situation again, where hmm. man walked and talked and had fellowship with God. And so to do that, uh, the, his sense of justice needed to be fulfilled, and therefore he sent his son to die in our place. And when we believe and trust in him, that we can have salvation and forgiveness and then be reunited with God throughout eternity. So it's a big circle, man, all the way from the Garden of <laughs> Eden kind of back to the Garden of again, and we can know his will and understand him through the Bible. Gotcha, gotcha. <clears throat> so it's kind of just to understand him, um, like a, like an autobiography type thing, right? Is that what we're getting at? Well, it's more like observation. Uh, there hmm. are times where obviously the God would step in and he would give his laws and rules, like say with Moses or Jesus came directly through the Gospels and the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. There's other times where... He was observed by people, uh, like the prophets and the kings, and they would record what they saw. Uh, that's the neat thing about the Bible. It's not just one dictation. It's filled with different literary genres. Uh, of course, again, over 43 authors over 1,500 years. So it makes it quite a unique book in that hmm. it's just not one author per se, like, say, the Quran with Muhammad, but it is the compilation of many different people's observations and, and drawings and conclusions as the Holy Spirit spoke through them, of course, God directly speaking, and it was all compiled, obviously, throughout the B.C.s in the Old Testament, and then, of course, in the first few hundred in the A.D. So it's a it's a long work, man, about 1,500 years to, to put that together. Hmm. So, so why do you believe it to be true? Why do you believe it to be the Word of God? Well, there's a lot of arguments for, for why Christians believe in God, why we believe the Bible. And it's for one is, changed lives. I think if you look at the biggest example, is the millions and millions of people's lives who were changed by reading the Bible. I mean, you can read lots of secular works, for instance, and, and be affected, but to see an utter transformation of a person from who they were to what they become after reading the Bible is one of the biggest arguments, I believe, that has, for me, helped me believe that the Bible is indeed the Word of God. So I've just the way my life. people act after they've read the Bible? Not act, but an actual transformation of their personality. Uh, many of my good friends who we call it the B.C. years, before Christ years, hmm. who lived their life, uh, you know, totally debauched, they could say, you know, going to the bars, picking people up, uh, living for themselves, uh, miserable, unhappy, and then hmm. they know Jesus Christ, and they accept him as Savior, and they start reading the Bible, and it transforms them. They're, they literally can't believe that they are the same person who was before they got saved. There's a, a total 180 degree in the way they live. And that's because, as Christians believe, is that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, comes into us and gives us a new nature. We've got now two natures. We still have the old sin nature that we're born with, but now we have a new nature 
that helps guide and reinforce our consciousness. And we look forward to when we are in heaven and the old nature is gone, we get our new glorified bodies for eternity. That old nature is gone and we have the glorified, perfected uh, nature throughout eternity. So what you're saying is that inside each of us there's a struggle of good versus evil and that the Bible helps us point towards the good part of the struggle. Is that what you're telling me? That's basic. Inside each one of us, and you could read this especially in the book of Romans, Roman 1, it explains that inside us, God gave us a conscience. Hmm. It's how we know right for wrong. Everybody has it. You can be as evil as Hitler all the way down to Mother Teresa as good as Mother Teresa. You know, mm. people, are born with an, <laughs> people are born with an innate sense of knowing. Now, whether yeah, debatable. Did, did Hitler listen to it? Obviously not. We can choose to listen to it or not. Matter of fact, if we ignore it for a certain amount of time, the longer we ignore it, the more we can harden ourselves to it and then not listen to it anymore. So we are born with a conscience, according to Romans 1. But when we come to know Jesus as our Savior, when we are forgiven of our sins and accept him, he promises, he calls the Counselor or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into the Christian, and then the, he guides us into not only understanding the Bible, which uh, is a stumbling block for people who, who don't have the Holy Spirit, but it also uh, guides us towards understanding the Lord's moral uh, system and so what about being the... come more Christ-like. I guess that's the word I'm really looking for. Christ-like here. is what you're looking for. Guides us to be more like Christ, Christ <clears throat> being the Son of God, the ultimate example of morality. Therefore, we become more Christ-like. Now, do we fail? The Apostle Paul was always saying, he called it the old man. He was always struggling against the old man, this old desire to sin, to, well, what about to the, lust and drink and The good and all people, that. the people that don't lust or drink or fornicate, you know, those people. What about those good people that don't have Jesus inside of them? You know, according to the Bible, they're good people. But what about people that just don't don't harm other people or or do good in the world like feed the poor and help the children heal the sick stuff like that you know doctors that doctors without borders for instance you know people that just do good for the good just to do good um, what about those people that don't have jesus inside of them well uh you'd have to look at romans three twenty three, which the verses for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god so that means uh is there anybody that's good? Well, Michael, no, actually, there's nobody's good. I mean, we could judge each other. Mm-hmm. We could say, hey, you know, this person is better than that person, or this person does more good than that person. Mm-hmm. But God judges. He's the cerner of our thoughts and intents of the heart, and his judgment is based on perfection. Now, what human can say that they're mm-hmm. ultimately good and ultimately perfect? They're not. It's kind of like this. Would you drink a glass of water that has a drop of pee in it? What makes Yahweh so perfect? What makes it? Wow, that is a deep philosophical question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, whole, whole books and, and uh, wow, theologians. What makes God so perfect? Mm-hmm. Because he is the ultimate in perfection. If he is okay. the standard of all that is good and holy and pure and right and just, and therefore he is the one that we are looking towards becoming. We are the one, he's the one that we want to become so we should act like God. He's the standard of good, so we should act more like him, correct? Is that what you're telling me? Well, if you want to make it a workspace thing, uh, every hmm. religion is a workspace thing. Hmm. Uh, religion in and of itself is the whole process of do, what you do to become more like God. Christianity is different. It's done. It's what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. 
as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He died on the cross. He took the punishment upon himself that we couldn't do. We couldn't, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus Christ, but we're not. We're all sinners. I think we went through this exercise before, Mike, mm. when you say, what about the good people? Okay, the people that don't hurt anybody. Mm. Uh, let's do this again. I'm sure you know the answers. Have you ever lied before? Well, I, 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 I kind of want to get back to why Yahweh is good, why he's the standard of good. Is it just because he says he's the standard of good, or is it his actual actions that's the standard of good? Well, it'd have to be both. He hmm. is the ultimate. He is the what we're trying to reach. Uh, okay. Uh, let me think what the argument is that. That'd be called the ontological argument. You hmm. know, as your kid, your parents always say there will always be somebody better than you at you know whatever you did. There'll always be someone faster, or stronger, or smarter. And it is until you reach the ultimate, the perfection, the fastest, strongest, smarting being out there, and that being God. He is a, whether you believe in the God of the Bible or you're just an agnostic who believes there's a God out there, you look towards God as the ultimate in all things. He is the best of the best of the best. He's the, as right. far as but you why? can go. So you don't need the Bible for that. But why is he the standard of good? Why is he the fastest in this? That, he's the standard of good because he's the fastest and the best? Well, as he told Moses... I am. It's, that's, that's the only answer I could give you, man. You're hmm. asking me, yeah. a finite creature, to define an infinite being. Well, why do you so, think yeah. he's good? Well, I think the ultimate good is those who sacrifice themselves for another person. So hmm. God gave up his own son to die in our place. He didn't have to. Matter of fact, he could have wiped all of humanity away and started over again. Right. But he didn't. He could he have also just see... wiped out the sin and started over again. He didn't have to kill anybody for that. I mean, he's an all-powerful, loving being. We don't have to send down our son to die to use his magic blood to save. We've been through this. (laughs) Sounds so familiar. (laughs) But you know what I mean? He's an all-powerful being. You're telling me he's good because he's good. I'm not really sure where the good part comes in. Um, Sending down your son. If I'm all-powerful and I send something down to die because I want to forgive people, that doesn't make me good. That just means I had to kill something in order to forgive people. That doesn't make anybody good. That wouldn't make me good. That wouldn't make uh, my magical invisible dinosaur good. That wouldn't make Yahweh good. That doesn't make any sense to make that a good thing. A good thing would be I would, I love you so much that I'm just going to forgive you and not have to kill anything. That's just the weirdest thing is to add the murder at the end of it. You have to have blood. Well, Why? I can forgive my kids for the craziest things that they do. Man, I tell you, they do some things, and I just mm-hmm. forgive them. That's how it works, because I'm a loving parent. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a decent dad. I don't say I'm the best dad in the world. I'm the number one dad, you know, but I do my <laughs> best. I try, you know. I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't ask for blood sacrifices. I don't ask for an, an offering to me. I don't ask them to bow down and worship me if they do something wrong, or just because I'm dad, you should be worshiping me. You know, I mean, I feel that people don't even respect, you know, I feel respect is something that is earned, something that that you earn throughout uh, a relationship with somebody. It's, respect isn't something that's automatically given, and it, for me anyways. You know what I'm saying? You bring up an excellent point. Is anybody holding a gun up to you to tell you to be a good father, to love your children? No, but Yahweh is holding hell up against me. Ah, Interesting. Well, see, now this is what we discussed in detail last time. First, let me mm-hmm. back up mm-hmm. just to get your point. God did not 
force his son to die. This was totally, and there's many verses that explain this, that Jesus willfully did this on his own. He did not have to. He didn't have to, exactly. None of this had to happen. But for some reason, Jesus is like, well, I'm going to die anyways. Even though this isn't needed, we don't need this to happen. I'm going to do it, and then I want to be worshipped for it. Right. Well, I understand your confusion for it. Matter of fact, the Bible mm-hmm. even says you would be confused over this. It says the cross <laughs> yes. is a stumbling block for those who are perishing. It doesn't In make other words, sense. For those that know, right. Yeah. <laughs> for thousands of years, the Bible has said you won't understand this because the cross will be a stumbling block for you. And I answer this. Well, it's not just the time. cross. I mean, there's a lot of different things in there that, that are stumbling blocks. We're right. just, we're well, just talking your, about let one. Let me answer your you know. question first, yeah, though. Yeah. <clears throat> and that is, is that justice is equal with love. If you don't have justice, mm. then you don't have love. And God is just. Yeah. There had to be a punishment. There had yeah. to be someone to fulfill but it didn't have to the be penalty for sin. It didn't have to mean eternal punishment. We could have the eternal couch where everybody sits on and does a time out. We didn't have to have fire and brimstone. Well, it's the death sentence. It's a, now, it's a torture. And I know you don't unnecessary. like it. <laughs> it. You say that. You say it. Now, yeah. we got to get something past us, and, and you don't like it. There's no doubt about it. You don't, like, you don't like the thought of hell being there. You don't like the thought that you have to uh, repent of your sins, that you have to acknowledge that there is another God above you. No. And that's fine. That's not but, it. But that's the reality. I mean, that no. is how the world works. It's, so an it's not a matter reality. of denying it. Is how do you deal with it? That's the question. How do you see it? How do you know it's there? And why do you worship this being? It, why would you... Um, is there anything else that you worship or bow down to or give praise to in such a way? It's just such that's a weird enough. thing to me, this whole worship. That would, be, uh, that would be a breaking of the first and second commandment, which is to have no other gods before him and worship no idols. We can... Obviously, mm. the days of idol worship, I've seen it in Hindu temples and things that still exist, but our modern-day idol worship is to worship ourselves or money or hobbies or whatnot. Even family can be worshipped. Uh, you asked that. Not, it's a different, though. It's a different worship. You have to agree that it's it's completely different. I don't raise my hands up, close my eyes, and sing songs to this to anything else. You know what I mean? It's a completely different kind of worship. You're bowing down, face down, and worshiping this thing. This is full-fledged. Okay. You know what I mean? It's such a weird well, thing to me to, to want to do that oh, to something. I understand. Yeah. I under, totally understand if Christ did not love us. And see, that is why, I guess it's, I, I'm seeing that you're having a hard time with right, why do Christians worship God. Because I get, we love I, him, man. I'm having do you a hard love, time. Do you getting, love your wife? Do you love yes, your I wife? love my wife, but I'm not going to worship her and bow down to her. You know, that's not how it works. I love her for, for lots of different reasons. I actually... Uh, yeah. I I did a thing for a while there where I started numbering the reasons why I loved her and started leaving around the house. <laughs> yeah, be house. careful what you say because she's probably <clears throat> listening in, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Just be whether you're sleeping on the couch or not tonight. No, yeah. there's a million reasons why I love my wife, man. Exactly. And, and, and so when I you ask me, how can, I, how can I love God, man? There's a million reasons why I love God. Right, but my relationship love... with my wife is a physical relationship. She's here. I can touch, feel, smell, taste. You know, she's here, man. I can hear mm-hmm. her. Yahweh is not. Jesus is not. They're nowhere to be found, man. You can't even hear them. You can't even touch them. You can't smell them or see them. Right, but uh, I can feel him. Can you feel the wind blowing in the sky? Yes, but you can't feel Jesus like you feel the wind. Your hair doesn't move when Jesus walks by. Oh, see, this is this is where the Holy Spirit inside is. I I feel Him. He is inside me, not like He's living in a How corner of my heart or something. M- that. 
But this he moves ghost. my soul. He touches me uh, spiritually. That's I, such a weird I, thing. I man. know from the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ that God's Spirit came in me. It, it's hard for a Christian to explain it. It's yeah. It's like it's you a become. Feeling. I it became comes down Nathan. To a feeling. No, no, no. It became like Nathan two point. If it was only a feeling, then it would only be during happy times or ecstatic times. But okay. the Holy Spirit's there in your deepest, darkest moments. He's there when you're suffering. He's there when you're happy. He's he's always there, and you can feel him. And when I read the read the Bible, what's he feel like? I feel like I connect to God. <sighs> wow. When you're it's there and you're suffering, and the Holy Ghost is there touching you, what does it feel like? It doesn't feel like a physical hand on the body. It's a right. well, connection would... to the soul. That it's doesn't a connection make any to sense. the deeper part. Of course, it doesn't make sense. It's hard to explain. Uh, when, when you are with your wife and she gives you a kiss, you know it's not just the physical sensation on the lips. You're oh, feeling you mean, it the in your Ghost emotional you, heart. You're connected. He gives you butterflies. Those little butterflies. Those crows inside your chest that mm-hmm. wiggle around. Just, there's not, when you're a, an early Christian or first Christian, you could say that uh, there's an elation and a honeymoon period, so to speak, initially. Mm. But it's. Uh, as a relationship grows, like, you know, when you were first dating your wife, you know, it was all rainbows and sunshine and stuff like that. But over the years that you're married, and I've, I've been married now over 20, Ooh. that you you have a deep relationship. Well, yeah, well, thank you. Praise <laughs> the Lord. It's a, it's a hard road. <laughs> you did it. I don't know why you're praising him. You didn't do nothing. You guys did it. That's a good job, man. <laughs> no. Well, you know, see, that's our philosophy of marriages. Our marriage isn't a marriage of two. It's a marriage of three. That's Successful weird. Christian marriages are marriages where the Lord is the third partner in the marriage. Nothing sexual or weird, obviously, but again, it's a... Well, of course a spiritual... not. <laughs> he's inside of you, tickling you or whatever he's doing, making feelings. No, 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 no. I mean... <laughs> again, it's not a physical sensation. Oh. It is a spiritual connection. Matter of fact, See, when okay. we read Bible, when we connect, you said, what does the Bible uh, mean to us? Mm-hmm. It means is that when you read the Bible, you're reading the Word of God, you're connecting with God, and if you're not a believer in Christ, you read the Bible, it's like, okay. But when the Holy Spirit is inside you, the Holy Spirit moves you to understand passages and then connect to God that you wouldn't normally. It, it's a hard to explain. It's like, how does, yeah. how does a person who has sight explain to a person who doesn't have sight what seeing is like? And so that's what you're asking of me, and I'm trying my best, and hmm. I'm failing miserably. I'm, well, I mean, it's just... You know, you're the one experiencing this. You're the one that can, you know, explain it to me the best. And it and it and it's not a feeling. You're telling me it's not a feeling like the butterflies or whatnot, not not knots in your stomach. It's not an actual physical feeling. It's deeper. It's spiritual. It's a There's spiritual. No, I don't understand a deeper than physical. Well, music, for instance. Okay. You know how people connect to music. I mean, yes. It's not just sound reverberating off your eardrums and going into your head. There's a right. a emotional connection to certain per- pieces of music. I mm-hmm. I heard Scarborough Fair by Simon That's and Garfunk this morning, one of my favorite songs. Hmm. And it just again, it connected with me emotionally like yeah, like music yeah. doesn't. Well, the Holy Spirit operates on a spiritual level. Is there emotions involved? Yes. Is there actual physical feelings no but it's a spiritual connection it's a second nature that's given to us a a piece of god as down payment so to speak before we actually see jesus face to face one day now you can see jesus face so this this ghost is nothing more than that feeling you get when you hear your favorite song no it's a that's a very again it's i'm a i'm a a man with sight trying to explain, explain yeah. to a blind man, forgive the <laughs> analogy here, That's fine. what it's like. It, I've been called worse. It, it, yeah. 
<laughs> it's like it's a spiritual. It's it's not. There's some emotion that's not physical, but it's a spiritual. Now, if you want to talk about physical, there's there's joy. Uh, you'll find that Christians who are deep in their their relationship with Jesus Christ, they can go through any kind of suffering, mm. and yet they still have joy. That is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Wait, uh, Pentecostals. I'm not Pentecostal, Wait, but some Pentecostals. Joy, joy in suffering. The Holy Spirit yep. gives us joy in suffering. Right now, we're promised to suffer because we're on fallen, just messed up world. Everybody is messed up. The world's messed up. Hmm. Our sin has made it messed up. But with the Holy Spirit within us, then we can go through all of life's trials and tribulations and experience joy. Some of the best writings, man, that you'll ever read are Christians who went through suffering. Like, for instance, Pilgrim's Progress with Paul Bunyan. You know, he wrote that while he was in prison. You can read a Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was suffering under Nazi persecution. Some of the most beautiful writings come out of suffering because that's when we're closest to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit gives us that joy that, and peace, and peace during trials and sufferings. Did you say we're closer to the Lord when we're suffering? Yes. Well, how does that work? Because we are dependent on Him for life. When you so suffering is a good thing through... because then we're closer to God. So God would want us to suffer more because we'd be closer to Him. That's kind of gross. Well, don't take the monastic view that you have to go flatulate yourself in order to get closer to God. That was a total misunderstanding of no, God likes suffering, though. God allows suffering because suffering creates growth. What if you took every obstacle out of the way of your children's lives and they led a life without any challenges, without any trials, without any difficulties to overcome, what would well, you end the, up with your well, children? The difference is I'm not going to throw those, child, those trials and sufferings in front of them. I'm not going to allow those things to happen. I'm going to try and protect them from those things. Yahweh gives us those things. Do, do you think Yahweh gives us the suffering? Oh, Absolutely. I, I don't usually share this, but mm -hmm. I have a 15-year-old son who's autistic, mm -hmm. and I've never heard a word out of He's never spoken to me. He's never called me daddy. Sorry. And he's got an IQ very, very low. And there was no hope of him mm -hmm. ever being normal in this life. But that is a suffering mm -hmm. that my wife and I go through mm -hmm. every day. But you know what? Instead of driving us apart or making us divorce or making us bitter, it causes us to depend on the Lord, our very sustenance, our very spiritual food, per se, our hope that it gives us to to move on, to keep going every day when life is really, really tough. And we've seen this whole rash of actors and musicians killing themselves lately. They, they're throwing their hands up and giving up when life's rough. But we can depend on the Holy Spirit as a Christian to give us that peace and joy and hope. You can depend even on in the each midst other. Of suffering. The love of your wife and the companionship that she brings to you and the relationship that you both have, the strength of that can bring you through this kind of situation. I'm sorry you're going through this, man. I can't even imagine. I'm that's that's tough. Um <clears throat> I don't even want to go further with this, but oh, man. So you believe that 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 God did this to you or to your son? Fallen human nature did this. The, the destruction of the genome, the fact that we're copies of copies of copies, the fact that death is inside, it's all us. We brought sin upon the world. We rebelled against We had perfection. Adam and Eve could have lived forever in perfect bodies without sin, without the world degrading, without factions and wars and, and the destruction 
the, the breakdown of the human body continues because death has entered into the world. That's the world that we live in. But that's not the world that will always be. And that's another thing that the Bible gives us. The Bible is filled. You know, there are 300 general prophecies in the Old Testament. And for the Bible, there's 500 in the Old Testament, one in 25 verses in the New Testament. Talk about the return of Jesus Christ. That when Jesus Christ returns, he is promised three times in Revelation 22 alone, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, and I'm coming back. And when he comes back, he will restore the earth not quite to the Garden of Eden again. There will still be people born during this, what's called the Millennial Kingdom, this thousand-year rule and reign that Jesus will have on this earth. But we'll be back to conditions. The animals and the people will be getting together again. But why? You know, they won't try to kill each other. Why the suffering uh, for, for you and your child and, and, your, and your wife? It doesn't make any sense. Why would he put you through that? Because why we live he, in a fallen world. Has why would your he choose you said, to go through that? You made your bed, now lie in it. I mean, unfortunately, all of humanity made our bed, and we're lying in it. It's our own choice. Are you familiar with the story of Job? Absolutely. Job chapter 2, verse 3. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. So what this is saying is that Satan has tricked Yahweh into doing all of these things to Job, into causing all of these, 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 these sufferings and problems and, and death. So well, I wouldn't use tricked because he it, said, look he at your servant incited. Job, and the Lord allowed him to test him. Right. He incited him against him. So the devil pushed this upon Yahweh to happen at the very bare minimum. He he challenged God, and God took up the challenge and said, all right, you can do what you want to Job without killing him. That is horrible. He killed his kids, dude. Yeah, he did. But did you read Job 42? It doesn't matter at that point. Yahweh has allowed the death of his children. Where did his children go? It doesn't say where they went. <laughs> Obviously, they it was a, as a, a faithful the pro- family. The, the with, issue is how God. do you know it's how do you know it's Yahweh doing this to make you love him more, or or Satan tricking Yahweh, or convincing him, or enticing him to do these things to see if you're worthy enough. I just it doesn't make any sense to me, and it sounds harsh and cruel and and pointless to me. It does sound harsh when you're the God of the universe. Everything you do is big. Everything he does in our life is big. Do I pray every day, Lord, please make my son normal? And I wonder why does he not? True, absolutely, man. I, that's a struggle I go through every day. But what I do know, what I do know, and this is again back to your question about the Bible. What gives mm-hmm. me the greatest hope is I know that one day, Zachary—that's the name of my son—will be in mm-hmm. heaven. He will have a new and glorified body, perfected. He will live in a eternity without sorrow or pain or suffering. He will talk to me, and I will talk to him again, and that will be the first time, mm. and we'll have a conversation. That's a and hope. that's a hope, man. And that is another thing that the Bible gives you that nothing else can, is that the Bible gives us hope that this messed up, fallen, destroyed Let's world pretend, will be gone though. one day. We're just going to play will pretend. With that's God all it forever. is, though. That's all this hope is, is we're just going to pretend like, real hard and, and, and hope it's true. You know what I mean? And it doesn't make any sense, especially with the prayer. You go back to the prayer. Your own Bible says whatever you ask, you'll receive. And what is it? Matthew 21. 
Oh, do you not believe that prayer heals and prayer fixes things? I do, if the Lord wills it. And that's if what everybody who went up to Jesus and said, if you will it, it'll make happen. And Jesus would say, hey, that's great mm-hmm. faith. You know that I'm the one who heals. It's not us who heals those people, although doctors are making progress. But the ultimate healing comes from the ultimate sickness. The cause of all the world's death and suffering and misery stems from our own sin. I know you want to keep pinning it on God, but well, we I mean, are the, he's ones the one who's all powerful. He's the one who's in control. I mean, if if the, if there's a problem, you go to management, and management seems to be the issue here. Management has some crazy rules. Let's let's change some of those rules. You know, bloodshed for forgiveness. Let's start with that one. Well, <clears throat> according to God, to fulfill the tenets of justice, there has to be bloodshed. It's just what it is, whether you agree with it or not. That's the reality of it. That's and the Jesus rule he decided that. he wanted to make. Right, and he thought that was the best idea he could come up with. Bloodshed well, for to forgiveness. Judge God. Well, I'm just saying, as a normal person, bloodshed for forgiveness sounds really extreme. Well, for some people, capital punishment sounds horrible. You take a criminal and, and put him in an electric chair and kill him. There's a lot of people protesting about that, and there's a lot of people say that that's the right thing to do. We all have a mm. different idea of what justice is, but electric when there's only one judge, you have to take what the judge says, and the judge says that the shedding of the blood is necessary for sins. Mm. Now... It's not the shedding of our blood. Unlike the Old Testament, where they just covered their blood, waiting for the ultimate sacrifice, we have the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. He had the perfect blood, right? You want to call it magic? That's incorrect. Let's use the word divine, because that's what it is. He had the divine blood, the the shedding of his blood. Divine and magical. Well, magic is make-believe. And I know atheists mm, like to throw the word magic supernatural. Like, if you look it up in the dictionary, it actually says supernatural causes. All right. Well, I like the word supernatural because that's what God is. He is above nature. He <laughs> created nature. Right, Therefore, but that correlates to magic in, in the dictionary. That That's the word that correlates. Yeah, but, you, you know, know, be honest. Magic is a, a mocking word, right? No, it's the best explanation we have because supernatural is something that doesn't exist, just like magic. And we have magic shows and stuff like that, so, you know, I use magic. Magic so is a more you, popular word and a more understandable word. Well, magic means uh, also sleight of hand or deception, and you're not getting that with God. If you took your cell well, you phone some and of you traveled 100 years of the past and you showed your cell phone to even somebody in, say, 1919, hmm. they would think yep. that you're, you're showing them magic. And That's it's not. True. It's, it's, it's technology. God so is God uses above science? and beyond. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He created science. He created oh, the most oh. complicated math, the most complicated science, Whoa. the most complicated Where biology. does it say that? All throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible, it says that God is I the creator, one. the one who created. What? Oh, the, oh, the creator. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But it didn't say he's, he created math problems. And if, that, if that's the case, oh, my God, I really have a problem with this guy. Oh, you don't like math? I never was a big fan of math myself, yeah, but yeah. the complexity of math. You talk to people who are big in math, and I've, you know, you've probably known too quite a number of people, especially since you're in the science field, hmm. know mathematicians, and there is a, a music to math. There's a harmony in math. There's a logic and an order and a reason to math that doesn't come from random cre- uh, chance, of, for, hmm. for lack of a better word, an evolving of mathematics. You know, the math didn't start with 1 plus 1 and evolve into quantum mathematics. It it came already preset, and it already existed, and it had to, which means then that the God we're dealing with isn't somebody that you can look at on our own level. This is someone who is the 
like we said, the ontological argument, the smartest and the best of the best of the best. There is no outwitting, <laughs> smarting, outthinking. He's so awesome, universe. he needs bloodshed to forgive. Yes, and that, <laughs> that as the Bible I told you, would be the stumbling block. I need to find that verse for you, because that's a really good verse. It says the that would cross, awesome. cross, well, right, let me look it up in my search here. The cross would be a stumbling block. Got some other verses for you too, but for now, why don't you? I love verses. <clears throat> I'm glad you're reading it. Which uh, version of the Bible are you reading? I got an NIV from the um, from a hotel, so it's a uh, it's a oh, unique well, it's a Gideon NIV. Gideon Bible. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, you... different though than the usual Gideon ones you find in the hotel. But it, I find that the the translation is different from the typical NIV. So I don't know. It's a fun one. I enjoy it. Yeah, I used the NIV for many years. <clears throat> I used the New King James uh, currently. Ah. All right. Uh, you would want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, let me just read through here. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us hmm. who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign. The Greeks, in other words, the Gentiles, us, seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greek foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. <laughs> so it's just going to sound crazy to people who don't have faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to pretend real Brother, hard. you nailed it. I, and I know in discussing this with you, as long as you think that the shedding of Christ's blood for the forgiving our sins is foolishness, it's nonsense, then the whole Bible is shut off for you. You're not going to understand any of it. You're going to question it. All the time. It's just one of the big issues, man. There's there's so many issues, so many. Just reading it from front to, to from cover to cover, man. It's just there's so many questions as opposed to answers in there. And what it wants you to do is stop asking questions and just believe that it's true, and that makes everything okay. Well, let me let me make this comparison. Hmm. Are you? Do you have a PhD in astronomy? No, I do not. Okay. How much do you know about? outer space not a whole lot right i don't either but you believe there's (laughs) you believe there's planets out there right i can see some of them with telescopes it's pretty cool right and you know that there's billions and billions of possible other planets out there possible Mm -hmm. possible right and you believe that not because you're a phd in astronomy because you have faith and no, because I've seen have the PhDs evidence. I have seen the planets myself. Through, like I said, through telescopes. I've actually looked at the sun through a telescope thingamajigger, which was really cool. Mm, yeah, that's um, neat. Uh, but so I've actually witnessed these things. Jesus, mm, not so much. These invisible, magical people that do things for me that are in my heart and pushing me with feelings. I don't see them, man. They're not there. These are the okay, planets. That's... I can see these stars. I can see all of that. They're all physical beings. Right. You know what and I mean? we do get part of that. There's a number of arguments for God, obviously. There yeah, is the Romans 1 tells us <laughs> that there is the creation, the balance of the universe, the fact that we are such complex creatures that even uh-huh. our cells have 
thousands and thousands of different interactions going on, and not just one cell, and you have to create systems. And then right. to procreate, you have to have two totally different systems. That doesn't point to Math Yahweh automatically, though. It, it points to God. Whether you call him Yahweh or not, it gives at least yeah. what's called general revelation, where you get mm-hmm. Romans 1. And Romans 1 teaches that all of mankind will end up standing before God one day without excuse. They can't say, well, I didn't know you, because God gave us a general revelation, the, the, the complexity of the universe, the beauty and wonder of the universe, to point to him. Mm. I didn't see his name on anything. Maybe he could have said, made by Yahweh. Right at the bottom of the rocks or something. Well, you know? <laughs> look at it this way. You you want to see Jesus someday, and and I guarantee, man, you will. Not you will really. Stand before you. The Bible says that, that every knee will bow and every tongue will oh. fess, confess The Bible also says Jesus. animals talk, man. The Bible uh, also well. says Jesus will come back as a dead lamb and open a, a scroll that nobody else on earth can open. I mean, I mean there's lots of stuff in there. That's, there's a so, lot of symbology. In, but so Bible, why do you believe they, it, Nathan? Let, let's figure that out. Why do you believe all of this to be true? personally well let's start with the basics mm-hmm. as a kid i could see the complexity of the universe i could see okay. that there is something bigger out there than us that that the fact that the earth is 93 million miles from the sun and if we were 93 million 100 or 93 million either way we'd either freeze to death or burn to death the fact mm. that everything on the earth is balanced so that we have life and you take just the slightest mm. little thing away and life would be like Mars. Life would perish. So the fact that, that we could even be here on this earth, to me, says that we were created. We are created. There's God. So We're it, just it, barely surviving on this earth. Like you said, the slightest little thing, and we're all done for. I mean, we earth? can't even breathe underwater. Most of this planet is water. And a lot of this stuff, areas we go to, are toxic to us. Uh, volcanoes and stuff like that. I mean, so it's not perfect. It's not really that perfectly balanced we're just kind of surviving well, <laughs> just getting by it, you know <laughs> I, I disagree with you on that I, I think it is perfectly balanced now with death entered into it obviously yes uh it's it's messed up matter of fact the bible even says that the creation yearns or, or the words groans for the coming of god to perfect it again we're looking That's for weird. jesus christ to return and this will end this the way the world is now that, and that's one of the, the blessed hopes the Bible gives us, is that the way this world is, it will come to an end. And when Jesus Christ returns, he will set up his kingdom on the earth, and the curse will be partially lifted, and the earth will become bountiful again. The ages of people will go into about a thousand years again. Mm-hmm. Uh, animals and people will, won't be you know, killing each other anymore. Uh, Satan no, and the demons years. won't be here. God will be, or Jesus <laughs> will be ruling and reigning. Right, because... That actually, that's another judgment. If you want to talk about God's judgment, He's not done. When genocide, you read man. Revelation genocide nineteen, is, is, is His judgment. Right. I don't think that's very effective. Genocide. Do you think genocide is an effective judgment? Genocide is capital punishment, just mm. with more than one person. <laughs> it's genocide, man. Yahweh creates genocide. Do you think that's an effective judgment? That the people are horribly evil and need to be killed. Yes, absolutely. Yikes. Did we kill? Did we kill the Nazis? But his reasoning. World War Two. Did we his kill the reas- Nazis? Are you equivalent people who don't love Yahweh to Nazis? We're all sinners. We all hate God. We all hurt each other. We all Yikes, in rebellion dude, against God. We all live there's under a death sentence. There's definitely a difference between non-believers and Nazis, man. You cannot seriously equate the two. You strip away society, the laws and the conventions that keep us moral, and watch what people do. Dude. You see 
when a, and a nation. You think collapsed. the laws Look are the only thing keeping me from from killing people? Yeah. You think me going really seriously? If you think you, that's true? Honestly, say that yeah, again. Well, Let's just you're, clear you're that up. You're pretty sure in your goodness because you live in a society that has has food and clothing and shelter. We have laws. Criminals aren't invading us because we have police. But I guarantee you, look at Venezuela as an example for today. You strip away government and the laws mm. and conventions. Their government's people corrupt, will man. It's a descend. totally different situation. No. Watch it. Watch it. And you'll see this. If you're alive during the watch, Bible prophesies. all of them kill each other? This just doesn't make any sense. Venezuela, not everybody in Venezuela is killing each other. There's a lot of good right. people that are running away from it. There are a lot of good people that are trying to survive, man. You can't tell me that everybody without a law tries to kill everybody. That doesn't, that does not make sense. When you don't have food or clothing and you need to take care of your family, would you not steal? Of course, but I'm not would going you to not, kill if somebody. Would you not, some guy was taking the only food for you had for your children, would you not kill? No, I wouldn't kill him. Why I would I automatically kill him? Why do I have to shoot and kill people automatically if they try and steal my food? Can no I one just says automatically, but I'm them? saying when you strip society's conventions away, mankind shows their true being, and their true being is hmm. we are number one. We will fight, we will kill, we will lie, we will steal without government. And the Bible teaches that government, yeah. mankind's government is from God, whether man uses it properly or not, obviously they don't. But I they use it, it provides conventions will. to keep mankind morally mm. restricted. But Not the Bible all. teaches that when I the rapture agree. of the church Some. happens, when the Christians are taken up to heaven, that mm. the restraining influence will be removed from this earth, and mankind will then descend into all their basic instincts. And you will see, if you once you strip society's uh, protection away, that mankind will descend. Maybe you won't be as bad as, say, the guy down the street who's robbing every house because he can loot and vandalize and steal. I'm not saying you're going to become a monster. What I'm saying is that when we strip government and society's conventions away, mankind feels free to indulge in their most basic instincts. I, I don't even know the name of the show. Isn't there a TV show out right now that's about that? It's really, They get like one day or something. Uh, hmm. It's called Death Day or something, and it shows what happens if the government said, okay, today you can do whatever the heck you want, and everybody just descends into raping and murdering and stuff. I, I've only heard about the show. I haven't seen it. There yeah. was a old Star Trek episode back in the 60s where the Archons would let the people you know, run wild for a day, and you know, they were a normal behaved people. But when you took government, when you took the, uh, the punishment for, for breaking the law away, the people went ahead and did whatever they want. So you might say Star yes Trek. right now. What's that? <laughs> I love Star Trek. Yeah, I love Star Trek because they explore these ideas and Star show. Trek is is one giant incubator for studying human nature. And again mm. and again, no matter how much they postulate, oh, you know, we, we're getting better not, and better, we don't. We can't really base anything off of it, though. It's just a TV show. It's just fantasy. Right. But it's, it's they a, did it's a have philosophy some interesting topics. Show, yes. Right. It, 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 <laughs> it studies philosophy. And I, I'm a nerd, I guess, because I, I watch it. But uh, <laughs> it studies uh, the human nature with the idea, and I think this was the genius of Gene Roddenberry, this idea that mankind... We'll, we'll get more and more moral and better and better and better. And that's a great thing to think about, but we can't do it until we get rid of our old nature. Hence the See, need Roddenberry for our old nature to be killed and our new invisible. nature through the Holy Spirit. He didn't need to add an invisible thing that's holding us back. <clears throat> well, the just, law is an invisible thing. Well, the sin nature is an invisible thing. The sin nature inside of us that we need to get past in order to have this Star Trek civilization, in order to have... 
Starfleet Academy and the International or Galactic Planet thing, Jigger. You know, it means I mean? that everybody behaves better and better and takes care of each right. other. And that's what the We're Bible all, teaches: that love your neighbor as yourself. Right? No, the Bible wants us to kill infidels. God tells us to kill people who worship uh, Baal, and then later on in the, in the end of it, God just destroys everybody who doesn't believe in Him. There's no kumbaya in that. There's no well, let's again, all get along. Not at all. Well, you have to know the difference between the Old and New Testament. Israel was given specific... The New Testament is where God destroys everybody at the end. Right, Revelation and he sends everybody 19. to hell. Yeah. Right. I mean... Okay, that's, that's a good... I'll, I'll take that no argument. Kumbaya. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, it's so bloody that yeah. it fills the Valley of Jezreel, which runs through most of Israel, and he that's brings horrible. the birds to eat their bodies. Absolutely. There's no kumbaya in that. Gene Roddenberry wouldn't write something like that for the Star Trek crew. <laughs> I don't know. The Klingons are kind of like that. Well, yeah, but, uh, you know. <laughs> yes. But, so. again, remember what God's purpose is. God's purpose is to fill eternity with people who choose to be with him, who want to be mm. with him. Not coerced, yeah. not forced, not have a gun to their heads. They choose to but be with what him, hell not, is. and he destroys the rest. Right. Hell is and that hell. gun to your head. Be good or burn forever. Love me or die in fire for every day. You know, and then you come back to life and then die in fire again. That's what I was told when I was a kid. My skin would burn off and then it would grow back and then I'd just get burnt off again. That's what hell that's was. A, actually, that's an Islamic teaching. The Bible doesn't tell you what really? hell is like other than, yeah, the skin well, burning yeah. off. Yeah, the skin yeah, burning that's off the thing. Islamic teaches that the skins would burn off and you get new ones and then they'll burn off again. I mean, the Bible does describe hell as a place of fire, fire a place of gnashing of teeth. It's a place of darkness. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called the lake of fire. I don't and know if that suffering. means that it's like a star because of the, the lakes of plasma that flow. I don't, I don't uh, know where it all, is. The Bible all I know is a loving a, God created it, apparently. Absolutely. He created it, as Matthew twenty five twelve says. So if you're all love, can you create thing. a torture chamber for people to live in for eternity? Does that make you, sense? An all-loving being? Let's imagine Cupid creating a torture chamber. Oh, I don't no, know. it doesn't make uh, sense. Cupid. <laughs> I'm just thinking of a loving being for some reason. Well, Cupid came to mind. <laughs> it, it's, it's a little more complex than that because I guess we the Bible teaches that God is the source of life and the source of love. And when we're disconnected from God, when we choose to, it's like the, pulling the power cord of your computer out of the plug. What happens is that your computer turns off. It needs electricity to run. Hmm. <clears throat> Humanity, the Bible teaches, needs God. God is the source of life. And when you don't have the source of life, you have eternal death. And that's what hell primarily is. See, yes, is, it off, is a hot place and all. That's just sugarcoating it, man. He's going to send you to hell. That's sugarcoating If you don't love him, yeah, you're sugarcoating <laughs> it. He's going to send you to hell if you don't believe in loving him. You're going to burn forever in a place of fire that he created especially for you because he knew you were going to end up there because he created you and he knows everything but you also chose it but he knew you were going to chose it that's true Mm. but you had the free will to choose it or not so if you decided to choose it that's not really free will though if you knew created you knowing what was going to happen how is that free will well whether you go to hell or not is your choice that Mm. is Totally up is to you. God knows ahead of time hell, what right? you're going to choose. And so you get this life, but you don't get eternal life. And it's just and my soul that goes to hell, right? Not not me physically. It's just this invisible force thing inside of me that goes to hell or heaven. No, no, no. no. Uh, the Bible teaches that it, uh, in Revelation 20 that the resurrected hmm. unjust will be resurrected. You'll get a new body, 
And mm-hmm. that body with your soul inside it is what ends up going to hell. So you'll have a physical, tangible body, just like in heaven we'll have physical, tangible, glorified bodies. So my flesh will forever. burn off in hell. Well, I don't know about burning off. Now, bear in mind, fire, flesh. what you're arguing for is what's called the traditional view of hell. It looks mm-hmm. at the fact that Satan, the demons, the Antichrist, and the false prophet are all told that they will be in hell forever and ever. But the Bible does not say that the rest of the people that go to hell are there forever and ever. So there is what's called two views of hell. Mm. Christians are divided on this. There's the traditional view of hell that says, well, if these guys are in hell forever, then everybody's in hell forever. And then there is the conditional view of hell. Matter of fact, that's what our ministry teaches, that there's all the verses about hell talk about destruction and, and being gone, death, basically. Well, you're not destroyed if you're living forever in hell. So our ministry teaches that when you go to hell, you will be destroyed. You will be uh, Hmm. vaporized, basically, after a certain amount of time. Now, we aren't dogmatic about that, because the Bible makes an argument either way. It's one of those doctrines that isn't solidified, because we don't have enough of the information. So your argument that God is unjust if you burn in hell forever might be based on a fallacy, because hmm. if you take the conditionalist view, those who go to hell will be destroyed. Well, that's still not that good. <laughs> I guess I guess it's better than burning forever, but, you know. I talked to an atheist once, and uh, when he stopped pretending he was an atheist and actually told me he believes in God, oh. he said, why can't God just leave me alone? Why can't, if we just choose <laughs> not to have him, why can't we just go someplace and just do our own thing? And, well... If you look at the tribulation, which is most of the book of Revelation, good question. mankind living without the inhibitions given to us by the law and our consciousness. And what is it? By the end of the tribulation, mankind will have annihilated itself almost, down to the last few people remaining. And that's what happens when you take God away from man. So man would die anyway. So why would he just not let him do it? Why would he just not put all the rest of these people that don't love him on a separate planet and to do their own thing? Why does he care? Why does he care so much about what these people do? doesn't make any sense. Well, why do you care what your children do? Because you're well, their father. That's different, he's though. He's your father. Well, he's he going to wipe everybody you. out anyways. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to well, wipe my kids out, even if they don't love me. Even if they don't listen to me, I'm not going to wipe them out. Um, what if Yahweh they try to murder hand, you? Well, well I'm not going to wipe them out. That's, that's, that's unfortunate, but I'm not going to wipe them off the face of the planet. Yeah. Do you, know, well, do you see what I'm saying? He's got plans for the planet. He's got eternal plans for it. Great. Let's put everybody on a different Earth. planet. I like this guy's question. Let's put everybody that he doesn't like on a different planet or a whole different universe. Why not even create a whole different universe that he never even has to see or pay attention to? He can mentally block himself from it. And then all the good Christian people that he loves so much can all live on his happy little planet or universe. And then he, has a, he can pay all the attention to them. Instead, what he wants is to annihilate people and then give the people he likes the best the better place. It just doesn't seem like loving or, or, or logical at all. Well, you just described that, and it's called hell. It is the other place. It's the separation. It's the planet or whatever you want to call it that you want. Bear in oh, mind, so it, you want God... Well, don't let me bring up this point here, because this is oh. vital, is if uh-huh. God is the source of life, if, and you disconnect yourself from the source of life like a computer unplugging from a power switch, then that is eternal death, and that is hell. It's not sugar-coated, it's the reality of it. So when you separate yourself eternally, it is 
hell. It is being separated from life. It's eternal death, whether it's destruction or there's a time Wait, period. But when I, when I die, I'm not going to know anything. My, my brain shuts down and everything. So that eternal death, I won't even know I'm part of that eternal death. So the sugarcoating is the eternal death part as opposed to the eternal torture part. So you decided to sugarcoat it by just saying we're going to die. But isn't that what atheists want anyway? Because you teach that when you die, you're I annihilated. Want. You That's don't what's exist gonna anymore. Happen. That's called reality, man. I live in this place called reality where nobody floats up to heaven when they die. Okay, well, that's a good, because now this is where you show your faith. How hmm. do you know that we're annihilated when we die? Has somebody come back from death and told you that they were annihilated? Nope, nobody's ever come back from the death. Then how do you know that when you die, you're annihilated? That's the best answer I got, man. No magic involved. Looks like, you know, when I go to sleep, I just kind of go to sleep. I, so, you, so I figured it's going to be like, you're going to go to sleep, but your brain's going to be shut down. So you believe that based on faith? I believe that on what I've seen and what I've documented, or not documented, I've seen documented in other places. What do you mean? Videos of people dying, I've seen that. Um, books that have this documented. Uh, recordings. We've got all these, these these recordings of people dying and stuff. Nobody floats away. We don't see anybody flying to heaven. We don't see any little invisible thing going up or lights or anything. These people just die. They don't come back. We've got a morgue full of them, and they just disintegrate and go into the earth. We know how this works. Well, that's what you're seeing here. They're bodies, but the consciousness, right. the soul of it, no, that's, that, goes that's on invisible and that doesn't exist. Well, that, you've got to you that add that. On... You have to add all that stuff, though. Like, well, if I'm just going to add my magical invisible dinosaur deity, she takes your bones when you die. So that's why you disintegrate. She's taking your bones. I well, mean, come if on, If we man. made that up, then yes, absolutely. But since the God of the universe told us otherwise, and he is beyond death, and his own son resurrected from the dead to tell us about it, then we know that. Have you ever seen anybody life. come back from the dead? I have not. No. Have you ever seen anybody come back from the dead from annihilation? Nope. Brother, you have just as much faith as I do. You just have faith <laughs> no in a different there, thing. Man. It's called you evidence. Have faith in a different I'm not thing. pretending. I'm not pretending that there's something inside of me. Neither doing am all I. Of this. I'm, I'm not I'm pretending not pre anything either. Well, you can't see him, man. You don't know he's there. Well, you don't have you to see the wind to believe that the wind is blowing. I feel you don't the have wind. to I feel the see the microbes in your water before you drink the water. You, you I can need see to those see with a microscope. Feel everything. Well, I can know that God exists by the Holy Spirit within me. So I've got the evidence I need, too. Christians aren't a bunch of buffoons. We never study the Word. We study creation. <laughs> we just, know the Bible. And we know the world off. around us. The thing is, man, and this is where faith comes in, and this is what you asked last time we the talked pretending. about. The pretending. The pretending. We have, no, there's no pretending involved. That's what it faith is, is, is pretending I, really I, hard that it's I true. would be willing to be killed by ISIS and not give up my faith, I believe in Jesus Christ. That's I have terrible, that man. much evidence. The apostles all died horrible deaths That's because terrible. they believed that much that they had seen Jesus Christ resurrected Lots from the dead. Lots of people have died for their beliefs, not just Christianity, man. That's people true. blow themselves up believing they have the right, the right God and the right ideas. Right. So just because people die horrible deaths for their beliefs does not make those beliefs true. But that wasn't the point I was making. The point I was I'm making saying, is that I have enough evidence to conclude there is a God and there is right. a Christ. Just like you believe that you have enough evidence that you'll be annihilated upon death. And you both, what you fill in what you don't know with hmm. faith. And that's where faith no, comes in. Well. <laughs> well, we'll agree to disagree, sir. 
I, yes, I th- another good I hour. Thoroughly... Yes, another great hour, man. I really, yeah. I really enjoy our conversations. I do. It's nice to hear the other side. And again, First Corinthians one is is a really applicable verse. I'd like you to read too when you get a chance Romans mm-hmm. two, because Romans, Romans two, two talk is a great verse about, a great section I should say about those who judge God and how can they judge God. That answers the first question you gave me. But uh, if you want to pick Roger. up this conversation again sometime, I'd be more than happy to. I can also point you to some other guys who are really fantastic about uh, you know, talking about their faith and, and can Absolutely. help lead you to any questions you have. I, Brother, I, I haven't stopped praying for you since I met you. You've been on my heart, and uh, I know the Lord's going to work in you at some point, whether it's now or after you see the rapture of the Church and the Christians are gone at some point. <laughs> And we will meet in person one day, whether this side of heaven or the other. Well, hopefully we'll meet in Vegas for some coffee sometime. That sounds that awesome. That would be great, man. That would be great. I thank you so much for your time, man. Appreciate All right. it. God bless you, Michael. Bye-bye. Greetings, BSW heathens. You've reached the end of the podcast. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you, the listener. Thank you for your support and encouragement. You are the fuel that keeps this show running. And an extra special thank you to my patrons, Rob, Vicky, Yee, Ray, and Brian, who all help get the show a new, much-needed microphone. Thank you, everybody. Don't forget to check us out on the Bible Says What Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages. Please send all of your comments, questions, or guest suggestions to bswthepodcast at gmail.com. That's bswthepodcast at gmail.com. And whether you listen to us on iTunes, Android, or YouTube, don't forget to push that subscribe button so you won't miss out on the next episode. Until then, would you kindly pick up your Bibles and read them? (laughs) 